0: All right, all right, all right. This is Chris. Welcome to Do Explain. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard over my life that I look like Matthew McConaughey. Something about my nose or something. And um, I know that sounds like a flex. It's not meant to be. I mean, he's uh, he's handsome as shit, but I just never know what to do with that when someone tells you you look like someone. You know, like do I say thanks? I guess it's even worse if they say someone who's really ugly. (laughs) Uh, This is my podcast now, I guess. All right, so today I'm speaking with Mattias Sundin. Mattias is co-founder and executive chairman of the Warp Institute Foundation, whose mission is to connect optimistic, forward-thinking people and communities to make the future come sooner. He's also a former member of parliament and former deputy mayor, a TEDx and international keynote speaker, and a fact-based optimist who occasionally kicks ass playing in StarCraft tournaments. You can find him on Twitter, at Matias Sundin. And I urge you to also check out warpnews.org to get your dose of fact-based, optimistic news about technology, science, and human progress that'll make you proud of being a human. Yeah, so I really enjoyed talking to Mathias. He is... Super cool, really friendly guy, uh, very funny as well. And so I got all the L's uh, that I care about in there the the laugh, uh, learn, and and uh, love. We we shared love for progress uh, and and ideas in the podcast. Lastly, before we jump into the conversation, thanks a million to all my current Patreon supporters. You are the ones keeping this platform afloat, and I couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. And if you listen to the show and would like to become a Patreon, you can go over to patreon.com slash do explain and sign up there. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can also go into Apple and rate and review the podcast five stars. That way it will get recommended more to other people uh, in their search algorithm there. So that's also helpful. But enough of that. Here is my conversation with the lovely Matthias Sundin. All right. So I'm here with Matthias Sundin. Matthias, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yes, I've been looking forward to this a lot. I'm I'm very happy to have you on. And uh, yeah, so so I thought we could begin by... um, Yeah, I I tend to Google my own name uh, more than I would (laughs) like to, sadly. (laughs) But this time I Googled your name and I found some... um, uh, some fun facts about you. Okay, and I thought it, it could be fun to uh, read a few of those uh, to get a vibe for who you are, and and you could add uh, add a comment as you wish there after each one. Sure. How does that sound? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So the first one was that, um, yeah, you became the first political candidate to only accept Bitcoin as campaign donations. So what's up with that? I like that, but uh.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's um, sort of the the short backstory to that is that um, I thought, you know, in twenty twelve twenty thirteen, I saw some headlines about Bitcoin, but I, I thought it was a joke or a scam or something you <laughs> only could use to buy. Guns and drugs, and I usually don't buy right. that much <laughs> drugs and guns, <laughs> so uh, so I, I ignored Bitcoin. So um, and then in 2014, uh, the winter there, <clears throat> I read an article about uh, from Mark Andreessen, the founder of Netscape, uh, and he wrote that. Bitcoin, you know, might be, a, or blockchain, uh, might be a bigger revolution than the web itself. And I was like, wow, this is one of the founding fathers of the web. And he says, this could mm. be bigger. What? This is something I should understand. So I went down the rabbit hole, uh, came up <laughs> a few days later, and was like, wow, this could be something. Uh, I really want to talk about this. And In 2014, there was an election coming up. Um, I was um, a candidate for parliament. So uh, I said, if you want to donate money to my campaign, uh, you can only do it in Bitcoin. There had been a few candidates that you could give Bitcoin to, but I I sort of wanted to get ahead of those guys. So I said, you can only donate uh, in in Bitcoin. And and the reason was, of course, I wanted to talk about Bitcoin and new technology in general.
0: Right. Oh, I love that. That's really cool man. So, okay, so so uh, a personal follow up there. Do you uh do you invest a lot yourself in Bitcoin or maybe that's secret?
1: No, it's, it's not a secret. It's uh, uh it, I I was I bought some Bitcoin back then in 2014. Uh, I bought way too little and I you yeah. know, I I'm so pissed it's like, <laughs> because some some things you don't understand, you know. It's like um yeah well, I didn't understand, you know, the rise of of Amazon. I couldn't predict it. I saw Amazon, is an interesting company, but, you know, I didn't envision how huge they would become. So, I I can't, you know, blame myself for that. Uh, But Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin, of course, still is, you know, uh, but but especially back then, a big uncertainty surrounding it. But you, you, I could have invested, you know, just a few thousand dollars or whatever, or even less. Mm. And that would have turned into hundreds and thousands of dollars today. Uh, so I invested a little bit, but I, I could have invested more. So I, I, I'm really pissed at myself because I understood this could be huge and I didn't put the money there and, you know... Yeah, so annoying so
0: annoying <laughs> yeah but i, I got I mean, a little I, bit I,
1: out of it so but yeah
0: yeah okay well i mean i mean i guess uh well it's not as bad as i i read some article that my wife showed me recently of some guy who had invested quite a lot uh early on and then he had lost his uh ledger where he kept all of it so he would be a billionaire right now and he had invested so much money in, in um investigating some dump where it had ended up uh, several years ago <laughs> i mean I, i'd hate to be in that exactly. position right
1: yeah, yeah exactly I, I know a lot of people like that who were super early in, so they they ran you know bitcoin mining on their laptops or the computers uh and back then you you could actually get some bitcoins out of that uh so and they stored it as uh, you know as a some sort of usb stick somewhere uh memory mm. stick um and they've lost it uh, and there's like yeah 100 oh, bitcoins me. there 200 oh. bitcoins there it's like jesus christ yeah. so so yeah that's um yeah it's quite common uh, so so that would be even more annoying <laughs> because yeah, then you have no to deaths. look everywhere you know tear down the house go buy your old apartment try to find it <laughs> it's like yeah oh my
0: god man yeah i can't believe it yeah that sucks but um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i mean uh but, but to, to your point there about being being mad at yourself for not predicting that, it's, uh, it ties in kind of nicely to, to a topic that I'm sure we will touch later, but the whole idea from David Deutsch about uh, how it's impossible, or Karl Popper rather, that Deutsch talks about, but how you can't predict the future growth of knowledge. And so, I mean, I, I think in principle you can forgive yourself for not uh, perfectly being able to see the future there. And I guess you could also um, – you could also say that about a lot of things right there are a lot of potential things that one could invest a little bit of money in but that quickly becomes a lot right if you have if you have a lot of different things and at some stage it has to be kind of a leap of faith as well but of course um, some some predictions might be better than others and this technology uh you might have had a, a good explanation already of why it would have gotten big but but yeah i, I think you should be go easy on yourself there <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, but but still you uh you only get I don't I don't know. Uh you only get a, a certain amount of of um uh insights like that. Uh and it, and yeah. it would have been a you know, it's 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 part lottery ticket, uh, of course. So so I would have bought that then, you know, and be super prepared to lose that and I wouldn't gone all in um uh but you know, I could just invest it's, it you know, it costs uh, back then it cost between 200 and 250 dollars one bitcoin uh, mm. and today it's you know it's been between 40,000 and 60,000 yeah. uh, dollars so yeah. that, that's quite <laughs> that's quite, a, quite a growth uh so so but, but yeah uh yeah. but i eventually bought uh, I eventually bought Tesla early, so so that's my biggest investment. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm not, I didn't make the same mistake again, at least. So that's right. something,
0: <laughs> right? The error correction—that's the important part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But exactly. so, but that's that's interesting. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't uh, uh, planning on asking you about this, but maybe I should just talk about investing and get get my financial right here with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> have you no, on? You should not. Get the scoop. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, all right, so that was the first one. I have another one here, which is uh, which is my personal favorite and uh, I, I I kind of feel like this um, the uh, the law that I'm going to mention here is is such a uh, embodiment of Swedish culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. to a large extent. And so so the thing you did was you danced in the Swedish Parliament's chamber, protesting (laughs) an old law that demanded that restaurants and nightclubs needed a special permit to allow people to dance. And they even, uh, a newspaper, I think it was Aftonbladet, right? Mm -hmm. They found it so funny they did a music video of the event. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, yeah, what happened there, mate? Please explain.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a, you know, um, like a hundred years ago, Dancing uh, was, you know, one of the scares of the, you know, the, something the youth did. Um, I, I guess there were, you know, the new kind of uh, new kinds of dance that occurred in the in the twenties or something like that, nineteen twenties. Mm. Uh, so, uh, for some reason, uh, in Swedish law, um, there uh, somehow a permit ended up there. So you had to have a permit to dance, not dance yourself (laughs) at home. But if you, like I said, in the restaurant, for example, if people dance in the restaurant, you need a permit for people to dance. It's so bizarre. It's like when I say (laughs) it, it's like, can't this even be true? But (laughs) sadly, it is. Um, So,
0: uh, so, so Sorry to to interrupt you, but so what was the motivation there, you mean? Like they they didn't want riots in the restaurants or...
1: Exactly that that was the hard thing to understand, but because the the police was very pro this, uh, and they said you know, uh, wow. we we want to know sort of where people dance because that could turn into if it's a nightclub we need to you know um, keep an eye on that and uh, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's part of that. But you have a lot of other perm- permits, for example, you have a permit to sell alcohol or or mm-hmm. permit to have a restaurant itself. So it, it was you know doubly. Uh, unnecessary. It was completely unnecessary to have this permit. Also, yeah. So, so uh, many people had opposed this um, law permit uh, for a while, but it didn't didn't get any traction. It's still it's still a minor thing, you know. Even if it's bizarre, many more important yeah. things. But so, I wanted to get this um, get get this uh, you know get some traction to this um, issue, and they're uh, also part of a symbol for other kind of. Uh, weird permits and, and you know uh, unnecessary regulations so the, the question then uh, that I asked uh, and the reason why I danced was that I I said um, uh, I, I took an example from uh, my hometown shopping uh, where uh, a guy who owned a restaurant he called uh, the authorities and he said yeah this dance permit I, I want to know uh, uh, we don't have a dance permit so I want to make sure I stop people before they stop start dancing <laughs> and, and they sure. were like uh, yeah okay sure go ahead. So so he said I want to know when 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 does sort of dance occur? What is a dance? And they were like what? What are you talking about? R- yeah, so for example, if if people sit down and eat and I, and we start playing music in the background and they start, you know, going back and forth in their chairs and, you know, uh maybe clapping to the music, you know, is that is that dancing? And they were like really? uh no, I don't think so. But if they stand up, uh, but they stand still, but you know they they move to the music, but they stand still. Is that dancing? He's like <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, I don't think so. No, that's probably not dancing. Right. So, but if you if you take a step back and swirl around, is that dancing? And he he from the mun- uh, municipality there from the from the. Authorities. He's like, yes, that that's dancing. <laughs> so that- right, that's the line. <laughs> exactly, that's the line. If you move <laughs> right. your feet, you know, turn around. Right. That's dancing. So that's what I showed in you know uh, in Parliament. Uh, it, it, that's I, I showed these these moves, and then um, uh, 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 then um, uh, and other newspapers thought that was really funny, and they they made a music video. My only music video so far. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah, emphasis on the so far. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you never <Yeah>. know. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's so brilliant, man. And I mean, first of all, I'd like to see that that municipality worker uh, on the dance <laughs> yeah. floor. Then, if that's the only way he dances, right? Just <laughs> exactly. <curls>. exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, that's so great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got it. I'm gonna link to that music video in the description <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, and so uh, this last one is something I, I have to ask because of my brother because my brother he has been a grandmaster in starcraft 2 And played that Mm semi-professionally. And so I I, I was happily surprised to read that in the late 90s, you played in the first Swedish championship for real-time strategy game, StarCraft. And you won the first game using a circling rush. And here comes the best part. But you later lost because that was the only strategy you knew. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. And then later in 2010, you won the Swedish StarCraft championship for politicians together with your brother. Again, using a circling <laughs> rush, and it was still the only strategy you knew <laughs> so I, I myself am a, a, a novice at this game, but as far as I understand it uh, circling that, that's like the the uh, nasty slimy alien uh, race, and they're like um, circling rushes essentially you just try to get out these first low level uh, attack uh, minions as soon as possible and you rush the other uh, guy's base. Before they can build up their defenses or something like that, or
1: exactly, yeah, that's precisely it. It's the it's the first thing you can build. It's very cheap to build, uh, and you can build it really fast. And if you optimize, you can build it super fast. And then you can just keep pumping surglings. So even if the guy right. other guy has you know a little bit of defense up, uh, you overwhelm him with with a, you know you must keep pumping surglings. Uh, if he survives right. um, this is the rush, you're in big trouble. <laughs> so yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. But it but it but, worked so, the second okay. time for against other politicians it didn't work in the first championship so.
0: <laughs> that's I mean I, I guess it all hinges on your opponents not knowing that that's the only strategy you know exactly right <laughs> exactly if they've seen your previous matches and they're like okay he's not going to do that again he's not that dumb <laughs> and I then see. you come again yeah <laughs> exactly uh, that's great man do you, have you ever played uh, StarCraft two at all.
1: Uh y- just a little bit uh when it came out right. and, and also a little bit a few years later. But but uh I I was you know I was so crappy, uh so it wasn't fun. I couldn't play anyone. I could play the computer. A right. little bit. Uh so so you really need to put in some hours to at least get yeah to, to a decent level for it to be fun. Um so and and uh I was never you know, I have a hard time you have to do so many things at the same time, you at have once. to think yeah. long-term strategies, uh, but you keep doing this real-time stuff. Um, you have to do really fast. I'm not not very good at that, so so uh, I, mm. you know, I play a, I played a lot of computer games over the years, but not that much mm. um, StarCraft.
0: No, I I always found it so stressful and like the the creepy music and it's all dark and you don't know what's going <laughs> to yeah. come out of there and you have to do it fast. And I'm not sure of the numbers, but I, I remember my brother talking about how many actions per second or maybe it was actions per minute i don't remember that you had to do to become uh uh, you know be able to compete in the high leagues right and so he reached something like and i'm just gonna botch you the number but like 150 things uh a minute or maybe it was a second i don't remember but he was doing crazy amounts of stuff and i remember coming into the room when he was playing and he could still talk to me (laughs) when i asked him stuff right yeah no, nah, that's yeah. cool, man. Yeah, if you watch, so, the,
1: uh, especially the South Koreans. Uh, I guess there's many now, but but South Koreans back then they were. It's just I mean, when you look at just the fingers, like how can he click the mouse that fast? And he's yeah. he's not just yeah. clicking it; he's doing stuff with it. It's like yeah, uh, it's it's amazing. He's thinking exactly, yeah, no, exactly. That's crazy and yeah, yeah, it's quite amazing to see. It's fun to watch. Um, I haven't watched games in in a long while now, but it, it's
0: quite fun to watch uh, StarCraft games. Um, and and yeah. Yeah. So I think what we'll do is we'll decide right here and now that uh, I'll set up a game between you and my brother and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll air it on YouTube or something. It'll be a, a great game, I'm sure.
1: We'll set up a, a game between your <laughs> brother and my brother because he's much, much better than, than I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right, Matthias. So uh, I thought it would be fun to start with uh, some of your backstory here, and I mean you've already alluded to to your political history, but um, so I would love to hear a little bit more about why you got into politics in the first place, uh, what you focused on during your time in politics, and uh, perhaps most importantly, why did you change course to what you're doing today?
1: Yeah. So the, the reason I got into politics was that I. Uh, realized uh, that it's a, it's a great way to have an impact on on society so i started uh, started out on um, the municipal level on city level in noshopping um and uh, uh First, I first I wanted to become a a teacher because I wanted to have that kind of impact on on kids and you know help them get a as good a start in their lives as as possible. Um, And and that was uh, being a teacher was was awesome. Uh, But with politics, I realized okay, I can have a a larger impact, not as a direct impact on the individual person, but a, a greater impact on society. And and of course, mm. if you go from city level to national level, uh, you can have an even greater um, greater impact. So, uh, uh, of course, you have to, and especially when you're in a small party like I was, um, you have to on the municipal level you have to cover everything. So, uh, but when I enter the uh, national politics, uh, I could more and more uh, steer to what I thought was. Most most important, most interesting was, and that was very very broadly new technology. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So everything from yeah, Bitcoin and blockchain to 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 drones and and hyperloops and and space and you know uh, a lot of uh, things um, like that. And that's also where I where I realized I saw so many many opportunities uh, with new technology. But every time I, I talked about it or proposed something and. There was also that always you get sort of the same kind of uh, response that people are super eager to point out potential problems. Not most most often not problems that actually, you know, uh, occur right away or is right in front of you. But it's problems that could occur in many years into the future if everything goes wrong Mm. seven times over. Um, Prophecy, exactly. And we're people are super good at you know seeing those kind of dangers. futures uh, and then you end up discussing that instead of discussing the opportunities and the actual real problems that could occur um, uh, and also you miss discussing problems with not moving forward uh, that's like uh, like take uh, autonomous vehicles for example I, I did a, um, uh, a seminar with Volvo uh, in parliament in 2015 I think it was or 2016 um, mm-hmm. and back then people were, were really um uh, most people haven't hadn't even heard about you know that cars could eventually drive themselves, um, mm. but when they thought about it, they immediately thought about the danger. What if what if someone hijacks that or you know uh, hacks hacks the system and kills everyone? And it's like, but right. today, uh, over one million people die every year in car crashes. Every year, much more people die in car crashes than die in wars. Uh, so it's a real problem today. And with self driving cars, uh, they will be super safe and eventually. Almost no one will be killed in in traffic, so shouldn't we yeah. move as fast as possible towards the future and solve the solve like Deutsch says? You know, new problems will occur, but better problems. Let's solve them right. uh, when when we arrived in them. So that made me that made me um, realize, okay, uh, this is something I should try to do something about, and not just for for Sweden, but you know, globally. This is a much much bigger issue than just um just yeah, Sweden. So that and the sort of the Bitcoin experience that I realized if you look at the negative headlines, uh, if, if that's sort of the information you get, you miss a lot of opportunities. And if you when you see the yeah. opportunities, you focus on the problems, you, you also miss them. Uh, so those two combined over over you know over a few years there made me realize, okay, I have to leave politics and and, and do
0: something about it uh, instead. That's interesting. Okay, so so would it be fair to um, compare it to... uh, I I often draw the analogy to uh, doctors, for instance, as a profession. Like People go into that wanting to help people, and they're really excited about that, and they, they really mean well, they have good intentions going in. And then it seems like the system how it's how it's made and how the bureaucracy and administrative stuff really makes it hard to to do it the way they imagined and so that wears them down and and oftentimes they end up becoming jaded and you see the often the older doctors at least in my experience this is very uh, just my generalizing my experience now but it seems like they they slowly lose that spark and that vision of actually being able to help people like they they wanted to when they went in, and so would that be similar to how you started feeling? Uh, getting n- no, uh, y- it feels like you 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 felt reined in by the system. Would, th- would that be fair or
1: uh, partly? Um, partly, it was the system, but but uh, this wasn't. You know, uh, people's views on on innovation and new technologies. Uh, it's not you know only in politics. It's ev- almost mm-hmm. everywhere in 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 society, and so. I left politics not not really for a negative reason that I didn't feel I could have an impact there. It was just that if you want to do, do something globally, it's hard to do that from the Swedish parliament. Uh, even if you're right. super successful as a Swedish politician, you end with a party leader or a prime minister, which is highly unlikely both of them, uh, and especially in your, if you're – like I was in a small party. Uh, but even mm-hmm. if even if you know that super small chance would occur – you end up prime minister. How how big of an impact can you really have on on uh, you know all of humanity? So I I don't uh, think you know that just me leaving politics will automatically um, give me um, uh, sort of uh, or you know get me to a position where I can have that kind of impact on uh, whole of humanity. But I w- I wanted to give mm. myself the chance to do that. I know it's super super hard. Uh, but in this society we live in today, uh, with with especially with the internet, um, uh, then you at least have the chance um, to have a have a global uh, impact. Uh, so that's what I felt. That I want to give myself that chance. So I I really enjoyed my years in in politics, but I wanted to try to have a bigger impact. And I realized, uh, w- what do I need to do? Then I can't do this alone. Uh, I need. Yeah, I need other like-minded people that have the same kind of goal and same kind of mission. So that's why we started building a a community of optimistic, forward-looking uh, people. Because I think together with with them, then I and we together can have a you know a huge impact on, on society. Again, it's going to be super hard to get there, but um, I, I know I know we can do it.
0: Mm. No, I love that and. Yeah, you touch on so many things that I want to go into here, but so, so I'll just, um, I'll plant a flag uh, by the the uh, the Warp Institute and what you do there more, uh, more practically, how it looks like. So um, I'm going to ask you about that a little later. But um, so you mentioned something there about people being uh, very quick to point out the flaws of something, right? And it's funny because... On this podcast, I mean, uh, it's it's um, founded around the idea of, of uh, epistemology, how knowledge, knowledge works. And uh, a big part of that is the tradition of criticism, right? So, in this community, in my listenership, cr- criticism is, is a very positive word to us, right? And so, uh, the way you mean it here, though, is, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but criticism... Uh, that is just there to tear something down. Like it's not like uh, they're they're offering useful critiques to help uh, minimize the errors in the theory you're putting forward so you can make it even better, right? They're not coming with, okay, that can't work because of this, but if we do this, then that might work, right? So it's not it's, it's not uh, trying to make progress. It's it's rather just, like you say, it's rather prophesizing about the future. And then if you get crit- critique like that too soon, you, you'll just drop that idea. That could potentially have been a great idea if it was polished a little more in – that kind of optimistic setting that I think you wanted to have uh, by by um, creating the Warp Institute, do you resonate with that at all?
1: Absolutely, that that's
0: exactly right. I think you have to.
1: <clears throat> it, it's very important to be able to sort of dream about the future and see a positive vision for whatever it is that you're imagining and see wow if we can get there uh, that would be amazing because of this you know people would feel so much better or whatever it is Uh, if we Mm. could have a a 100% democratic world for example wow what Mm. what would you know happen then that would be amazing you know and so many uh, you know so many positive things would come out of that so but then to get there uh, there's you know, of course, a ton of problems to overcome uh, to to get there. Uh, but the the, uh, the the criticism I'm talking about now is uh, exactly like you describe. It's not um, it's not saying this will this will never work. Uh, try this instead, or you know how you know this is how we can solve this or, or whatever. It's more mm-hmm. of the often really dumb uh, pessimism that it's like, oh, have you thought about this? Uh, it's like, yes, of course yeah. we have, you <laughs> idiot. Uh, why wouldn't we? Uh, and, and it's like super obvious problems and it sounds like from them that it's impossible to solve. Uh, right. Often when, for example, when, when we talk about uh, that we, you think humanity should expand to Mars, well, what are you going to do about the radiation? It's like, have you thought about the radiation? Of course, we have <laughs> thought about the radiation. For decades, we've thought about the radiation. Um, how are you going to solve it? I don't know. I don't have all the answers. That's why we're going on this journey right. because, yeah, I know we can solve the problems. Some of them are going to be super hard, and, and we might have try to find have to find a new way, or we have to stop that progress for a while to uh, you know innovate in other areas so we eventually can get there. But it's like these super, super dumb, easy critique, it's just slowing things down. Instead, if they use their brains because these people have brains uh, and they can think, (laughs) use them for something, you know, come up Come up with some real hard problems. Maybe something. Of course, it's not like I, for example, think of all the problems. Uh, come up with some real problems, and and you know, and especially at least some ideas how we can solve them. That's where I want to yeah. get uh, get to, uh, because criticism is is super uh, super super important. Um, that's the. That's why we, you know, when when we live in a democracy and you have freedom of speech, that's that's what it is. You can critique and you can have other ideas, and that, that's super super inter, uh, in, interesting. It's super important. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, we will have no progress, and then we will go backwards. So,
0: yes, and yeah, I mean, problems are soluble, right? Exactly. So that takes us into to the work of David Deutsch and. This is uh, one of the reasons I think it's uh, so exciting to talk to you, too, because as far as I'm aware, you're the, you're the only Swedish public figure I know of that's an explicit Deutsch mega fan, to use your own terminology mm-hmm. there. And, uh, yeah, and we share that. And um, so I'm curious, uh, how and when did you stumble upon uh, his work? And, yeah, w- what was the main thing uh, there that changed your thinking or how did it change your thinking?
1: Yeah, many ways, but uh, I stumbled up, uh, upon him pretty recently, just a few years ago. I, I wish I would have uh, discovered him earlier, but... Um, mm-hmm.
0: Like Bitcoin. <laughs> 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 All right, invest exactly. more. Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, can you invest in... Does he have a coin, <laughs> a Deutsch coin?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, mentally, imagine how smart you would be, right? Exactly. had Invested wow. in this five years ago. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> so now... um a lot of things but but uh you know one thing with deutsch is that uh when he he says things or writes things that are when you read them it's like super obvious it's like why didn't why didn't i think of this this is you know Mm. this is super obvious so for example uh one of the things that i when i when, when i first read it in his book uh the beginning of infinity it what this just blew my mind. Uh, but when I think about it, it's like it's super obvious. So the thing was, uh, of course, that there's no limit for for human knowledge, um, because that would mean there's some sort of you know actual limit. You know, it's like okay, now we now we can't think of one new idea to solve a problem or create an opportunity, or whatever. Of course, that that right. is never going to be the case. Some knowledge is going to be. Super, super hard uh, to acquire, and it's and it's many, many, many thousands or tens of thousands of years into the future, of course. But we will never reach a limit of of human knowledge, and and mm. that is just amazing um, to think of. Because then every problem uh, can then be solved if it's not you know uh, against the laws of physics. And it seems like there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of physics we don't know uh, shit about, yeah. uh, or have. We have theories now that will eventually turn out, you know, uh, in, in some other ways, probably. Some of it, I'm sure we haven't figured out. But but still, uh, that that's very, very positive to think. Um, for me, it was like, yes, that's why we need to go forward all the time, because there's no upper mm-hmm. limit we'll reach.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's interesting to hear you say that, uh, yeah, that it's, it's so obvious to you, because I, I feel like, I, I think... I know what you mean there, but my experience was actually the first time I read the book. I don't know if you've um, listened anything to Sam Harris and his podcast mm-hmm. Making Sense. Yep. Yeah. So, so he, I was a mega fan of him, and I listened to everything he's done. And then David Deutsch appeared on his podcast, and to me, annihilated his arguments who I thought was just like, yeah, that was the end. You couldn't get any higher than that. Sam Harris had figured everything out, right? And so I was very intrigued by that. But so the first time I went to David's book, I I didn't like it. And most of it just... went right over my head. And I've spent like the last two years uh, with this podcast trying to figure out uh, what he actually means because I feel like sometimes he might write one page of stuff and there's so much in between the lines there, so much profundity there that you could write a whole PhD thesis on, on just that page if you actually wrote out everything that was packed in there. But once you, once I actually got it, for instance, the point that you just brought up, that there's no limit to knowledge, once I understood it, then it's like you say, it just clicks open and you're like, of course it can't be any other way and all the arguments against it just seems so futile when you've finally grasped it, right? But um, so, so I'm curious then because I completely agree with you that that insight that, okay, well, actually, let me put it like this. Not only the insight that knowledge itself doesn't have any bounds and is in principle, uh, we, we can always keep improving it. We'll, we'll never reach the finish line, as you mentioned, but we can always correct errors and get get better and better as, as far as we want. But also that you, like you said, all people, we, we all have brains, even the people who sometimes seems like they don't. They also have brains and we all have the same fundamental capacity which makes us unique in this uh, in this universe right now, which is we can create this knowledge, right? We're not bound by the genetic knowledge that we're born with. Uh, we start with genetic knowledge. We have animal physiology, just like all other animals. But the difference here is that we can actually, we only start with our genes, and then we immediately start improving about those theories that we were born with, and we can improve ad infinitum, right? And that applies to everyone. So I think a lot of um, the problem is with people thinking that they like, they can't think for themselves, right? It, it, part, part of this is culture, I think. I don't know how you view... Um, for instance, I think there's a parallel between the law of jante that we have and uh, like a general conformist don't want to think for myself. Uh, the state will tell me what to think and I should think what everyone else is think. And Deutsch's principle of mediocrity, which says that yeah, there's nothing special about people, right? So, um, do you agree with that parallel? And could you explicate how you see the law of Jante and if it's uh, relevant here?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Uh, I I would say it's 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 probably many things that that does this to people. Um, And yes. It, it's it's like you say it's it's um uh when people it, yeah first we could start with you know the individual potential for for every human being uh it's mm-hmm. i think everyone has so much more potential than they realize uh, even even people who are you know um very successful in in what they what they do. Uh, they have even bigger potential. But most people um, are not successful in in that way, and, and they have still a huge potential. But they think they don't for a number of of reasons. Uh, yeah. And also, but this sort of layer of pessimism, or sort of that pessimism, or being sort of negative, or coming up with critique uh, uh, in in that sort of simple way that we just discussed. That's uh, you sound in in the culture we have. That sounds like you're smart. Uh, oh, here's yes. that. Here's here's the sunny optimist, and uh, I've come up with a problem. People are like, yeah, that's really smart. Mm, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. and and that's it's it's it. We need to turn that around. It has to be the opposite way. If you come up with that super simple dumb critique, it's like shut up, man, and you know think <laughs> uh, because you can. Uh, but also for humanity overall, um, um, I think many people, many intellectuals, and many many other, uh, they have a very very. It's sort of a competition of bashing humanity in different ways. It everything from yes. that we're super cruel till until we're we're you know. Uh, a speck of dust that no one cares about uh chemical scum mm-hmm. like like uh yeah. Deutsche talked about um uh, um uh that um stephen hawking said for, for example you know uh, that we're so in- insignificant we we should not you know you know uh, um we shouldn't be whatever proud of anything or or whatever it is. Uh, we can we yeah. can't really accomplish much because we're so insignificant here on this little bit little bit of Earth, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's very much a, a culture. I, I th- but I think that could be turned around because for the first time uh, we have the opportunity to really spread knowledge to um, at least for now have to have towards population and eventually all of the all of the world's population, so they they can realize their own. Uh, potential and hopefully realize also humanity's potential. How much we can do, how much good we can do for ourselves, but also uh, for for this earth and 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 uh, what else we want to do uh, out in out in space uh, later. I, th- I feel we have so much potential, but it's really part of our culture or society that's you know we, we don't. Uh, so we, I think, we really have to change that.
0: Yes, and do you think that? that's something that that Swedish culture embodies even more than than other countries or do you think I'm wrong about that
1: no I, I it, it definitely feels like it um, so you <laughs> you have an, uh, you have an American wife I've been uh, a lot in in the US um, of course it's part of their culture also but it feels you know quite different in in many ways um, yeah uh, people are sort of more. Overall, more sort of positive, and 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 uh, when you when you you know when you talk about what you want to achieve, people are more uh, positive towards that. Um, for example, and and I I saw this is a what I would say a, a great example from from Sweden recently when uh, Peter Carlson, who previously worked at Tesla and before that at Sony Ericsson. Uh, he came back from he, he he came back from 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 Tesla and he he had learned a lot about batteries. He saw the future of electric cars and he learned a lot about lithium-ion batteries, both from Tesla and previously in Sony Ericsson. So he he does, okay. We the world is going to need a lot of batteries. Uh, okay, hmm. I can build. Um, I have the knowledge now and the capacity to at least try to start a company that is going to build a, a huge battery factory. Uh, and people were like, "Yeah, okay, that's cool, that's great uh but how or how is he going to finance that because it, it's <laughs> often that people you know they don't come out uh hostile right away, so it's not a hundred percent hostile they they realize, okay, you have to say something positive, you can't just be you know uh, whining about everything here, so so yeah <laughs> okay, cool, cool ambition, but how is he going to solve?" financing this this is going to be really expensive oh of course mm-hmm. he hasn't thought about that so great that you have an insight <laughs> but yeah, then thanks. the money came in he has raised billions of dollars and now so what they st- what they started saying then is like Okay, okay, uh, but that, that's awesome. But how is he going to build a factory like that? That That's really hard. It's like, oh, great. Yeah, he doesn't know anything about it. He's just been part of building the Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada, so he's one of the people in the world that knows most about, most about building <laughs> factories. But they, super smart, came up with building a factory is hard. And then he's building a factory and, and sort of, Okay, I don't know what what they come up with now, but I, I guess there's something new in there. But right. that's and and it feels like
0: battery acid. What if
1: it leaks <laughs> and people
0: will burn themselves? Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. Those kind of things. So that's that feels like I'm, I'm sure there are people like that in every country, but uh, in Sweden, it feels like there's a lot of them uh, with just that. Instead of uh, embracing this and feeling wow, someone is creating a huge for you know one of the biggest industrial products. Uh, ever in Sweden, especially in the last mm-hmm. you know twenty, thirty years, and it comes from one person. It's not like Ericsson yeah. or Volvo or anyone building a huge factory. That's one thing. This is one individual who does that. We should, you know, um, th- that that should we should cheer him on, and we should offer our help uh, in that. And and yeah. have you thought about this problem? I'm I could solve this. I could try to solve help you solve this problem. So uh, yeah, it feels like that's. Um, you know, uh, in, in Sweden, it's it's a bit bit worse. A little oh, extra, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, no, it's funny that you mentioned the the contrast there between America, because I mean, j- just um um uh, looking for jobs, for instance, when you're supposed to talk about yourself, I feel like uh, that that's something that's. To, to um, rather uh, put forth, what are your strengths, right? It always feels a little <laughs> bad to do that, right? I've always yep. felt like, yep. can I say that I'm good at this thing? And and my wife doesn't have that problem at all. She knows her strengths and she's proud of, of stating them, right? And um, yeah, like I mentioned before, the, the law of jante, which is this kind of inexplicit thing we have in our culture where, uh, yeah, you... you and I guess you could interpret it different ways, and I, I'm curious to th- uh, to see how you think about that. But I, it's it's basically saying don't think you're you're anything special, right? You don't stand out. And I guess uh, from the Deutschian framework, we would agree in the sense that yeah, we're not special fundamentally. We all have the same capacity. You're not better than me. You're not smarter than me fundamentally. But the the way I interpret that is from this pessimistic. Uh, way of thinking like yeah you matthias don't think you can do anything to change the world don't even try why would you you're just yeah you're just one of the chemical scums right mm. that's where i see the parallel is that how you would you agree with that or
1: absolutely um i would say that that's uh that's spot on uh, if people have uh, those kind of grand visions, or or even smaller visions, but it's sort of yeah. grand in the in the you know you want to start a company locally, yeah. and you know it's like uh, people talk behind your back, uh, things like that. So, but with that said, I I also want to really say that there's a lot of people who absolutely not that way, or they could be that yes. way in in some um, settings, but they're not in others. So, I have gotten a lot of support and and uh, there's a ton of people uh, out there that, that want to change this. They don't want to live in a, in, a, in, a, in a world where you sort of bash each other for having grand visions. Uh, they want to do something uh, about that. So I would say uh, it, it's not absolutely not uh, total darkness here. It's just that no. <laughs> it, it's, um, it, it, it could be much better, but it's still a lot
0: of really great people um, out there. Absolutely, and I mean we uh, Sweden. We've innovated a lot. We have a lot of great inventions. So I mean, um, uh, it's just a matter of maybe loosening the handbrake when you're when you're driving your car a little bit more, and whoo, you can go way way faster, right?
1: Exactly. And yeah, so, uh, and
0: if you talk about sort of entire
1: humanity. Wow, we've achieved a lot of great things. It's just that yes, we could time. have already, yeah, exactly. And we could have already achieved much, much more. And in the, in the, in the mm-hmm. coming decades and how, you know, centuries, we can achieve so much more. Uh, if we, like you say, uh, lose the brakes a little bit, uh, and, and, you know, focus a little bit more on the opportunities and not, um, uh, the pessimistic view here. Uh, we can achieve yeah. so much more. And that would be not just fun. Uh, you, She's like, yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. life critical. A lot of people will survive. Uh, they will instead have, you know, already have died or will die. So there's really some sort you of know, fundamental things that we can innovate mm-hmm. here. Um, that's why we should speed up uh, progress, I, yeah. I, I think. And then we have to, you know, stop thinking like this.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of misconceptions misconceptions around that in different fields. You mentioned self-driving cars as one thing, and a big thing is, of course, the sustainability movement, climate change. But um, before I touch on that, I just want to mention there that I think that, uh, yeah, the it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you think... If you think, and I work in customer service right now, and so I take a lot of calls, and I get a lot of people, especially people in. in uh, how old are you, by the way? Uh, Forty-three. Okay, so okay, so you're still young, but but so people <laughs> uh, uh, maybe fifty or sixty above that are are so afraid of these technological changes, right? And just something that we have in Sweden, uh, a way to identify yourself over the phone uh, is called mobile bank ID. And they're so afraid of using this and they mm-hmm. they, they don't want to learn, like they don't want me to teach them, most of them, most of them. They just want me to do it so they can crawl back into their cave of comfort, right? Where they know, know things. Mm-hmm. And th- this is not at all directed towards them this is not a critique towards them as people but it's just a strong testament i think to how powerful ideas can be both in creating wonderful things in the world but also in limiting that potential right so just believing that you don't have the brain to understand mathematics which we know is completely false that makes you not understand mathematics because you'll never try. And as soon as you fail at something, you're like, oh, okay, that's my bad brain again. I knew it, right? So so it's the ideas themselves that keeps us hinged. There's not a limitation in our biology that does that. And, and so that's why it's so empowering to hear people like you, um, maybe a little extra since, since you're Swedish. And maybe that's why we resonate so much with Deutsch stuff because it kind of gives us the permission, right? To take off all the breaks and just... Fly out into the atmosphere of progress, and uh, yes, I'm I'm really happy with uh, what you're doing, Matías. It's r- really fun to talk to you.
1: Awesome, thanks. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, another uh, on that topic with sort of human potential. Another favorite of, of mine uh, is a is another suite. <laughs> uh, mm. And uh, um, thank under- you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, another another tweet. Uh, so, uh, uh, Anders er- Anders Ericsson, uh, Professor Anders Ericsson, he sadly passed away uh, last year. Uh, but uh, he was uh, he he lived in in America for for many years. Maybe that's why he got into this kind of research because his his field of research was uh, that kind of extraordinary uh, performance, like elite performers mm-hmm. uh, in 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 sports, for example, or in music, or or where, and and eventually it could be sort. of elite performance in in, in everything. So yeah. uh, Malcolm Gladwell looked at his research and, and out of that uh, he, he hacked it and chopped it in different ways and he came up with a 10,000 hour rule uh, which Was great for Anders Ericson's research because a lot of people heard about it. You have to you have to practice for ten thousand hours to become you know world class. Uh, Mm. It it of course was not that simple. Uh, uh, So Anders Ericson wrote his own book, Peak, uh, that is super interesting. And uh, to not go into this uh, for for too long, but sort of what he showed uh, in his research was that every human being has uh, you know could could become an expert in almost anything. Of course, if you're super short, you won't go to the NBAs. But yeah, you, can, yeah. you can still become really, really good at, at basketball, uh, but not at the elite level. But other things, sort of more, uh, you know, using your brain only, yeah. uh, learn huge amount of, you know, numbers uh, after each other, or that kind of, uh, that you have different competitions in. Anyone can do that. So, yeah. he, one example is taxi drivers in London. Uh, they have, they have, you know, you, you can see uh, part of their brain growing when they learn all the streets in London, uh, and and it's it's just random people. Some of them, I'm sure, super smart; others super dumb. Uh, but they all of them can <laughs> learn all the streets in London uh, because they, you know, do it in a in a special way. So what what he yeah. his research is, is super optimistic that uh, you know everyone uh, if you everyone, if you put your mind to it and all the work that is required, because that's uh, uh, um, an important lesson from Anders Eriksson, is that it, it is super hard uh, to be- become elite in whatever it is, but everyone can do it. Um, yes. And I and I find, and that's sort of for every individual human, but that also says something about the potential for humanity. What if everyone thought like that? Jesus Christ, what we can achieve. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I remember you telling me that, and um, yeah. So, so I think that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose a question here that uh, might seem obvious to you, but from what I've heard you say in other podcasts so far, it doesn't seem to be obvious to most of the world's population, or at least most of the world's population that we've surveyed with these questions. But the question is: Is the world getting better?
1: Yes. It is (laughs) full stop. Uh, So, when I,
0: yeah, sorry, yeah, please go ahead.
1: No, so since, uh, when when I gave talks, um, up until the, um, the the pandemic, um, started, um, I used to start the talks with I asked people, so if you, if you, uh, were to be born again, not Christian born again, but actual born, born again, (laughs) uh, uh, and you can choose whatever year. Throughout human history, or through throughout Earth's history, uh, you can choose whatever year you wanted, but you cannot you cannot choose where on Earth or in you know what nation or society you can couldn't choose gender mm. or or if you're white or black or whatever uh, you could not choose anything of that. Just the year uh, that's the only thing you can choose. What year uh, or what time would you then choose? And I asked them to think about that for five seconds, and then sort of just shout it out. Uh, uh, and most people then actually shout now or the you know twenty nineteen or whatever year we're in. Uh, so so that yeah. worked uh, up until the pandemic because in twenty twenty people would <laughs> have shouted twenty nineteen.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, so, but but still, it's it's it says something about. Uh, when people think about it uh they realize okay this is the best year ever um and and if you have a global pandemic of course that is not the best year ever but um yuan uh, uber for decade. example he he looked at stats uh during the pandemic and he realized okay so we're probably back um sort of statistically just a few years back so uh, 2010 would be even worse than 2020 of course a lot of people have died but if you look at extreme poverty and and, and things like that so right so so yes we have made tremendous progress over at least 100,000 years and but especially in the last couple of hundred years and and especially in the last few decades it's just if I, if i would um allow just to point out one uh, my favorite statistics um uh, it it is that since 1990 um hundred and thirty seven thousand people have left extreme poverty every day every day since mm. 1990. imagine that uh, uh the city I was in 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 politics in noise it, it has about hundred and thirty five thousand people in it so one new city like that every day year you know week wow. after week, month after month, year after year decade after decade what a, what an achievement for humanity. What an amazing achievement. We should be so proud of this. And most people think it's gone the opposite way. And that's, <laughs> that's really sad, I think. Because oh. we should be so proud of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, that's a great point. And I mean, I think that – well, first of all, you, you can come in as the the standard pessimist here, uh, quote-unquote smart guy or gal, and say, oh, but look, there's still so many people who are, who are starving and there are still wars going on. And and, um, and we have all this polarization and Facebook is uh, making me really sad. And, and it's true. We're always going to have problems. To come back to the Deutsch thing, whenever we solve a problem – New problems pop up, but they're better problems, and we have to think, what are we actually comparing this situation to? And I think that's why your example there of the time machine is so hard-hitting, because it's so easy to point out a problem, oh, capitalism, look how how horrible it is, like uh, people working in factories, right, kids – that's a horrible problem we need to solve, but it's still a better problem than kids dying from horrible parasites before they even grew up to be one years old, right? There are gradations here. And I'm curious, uh, um, I would love to hear the statistics there because I remember you saying that it wasn't a big percentage of people who actually thought the world was getting better. So what was the statistics there?
1: Yeah, so there's a number of different... Um, Surveys, uh, but you can you can if you generalize it a little bit. It's in the Western world, or or uh, you know what 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 Hans Rosling called um, the level one uh, countries, the richest countries in the world. Um, that's where all the pessimists are. Uh, it's just France, for example. If you ask people in uh, French people, you know in 15 years do you think the world will be better off or worse off and it's like 4% or something um that think it's going to be better off uh, and that's sort of <laughs> what? exactly and and the uk is like 3% um and the us a little bit higher but it's like 10 or something sweden also uh, around 10% uh, percent. so it's those kind of low numbers all across the richest world if you look at the poorest countries um or or the countries that you know at least used to be super poor, but are moving in the right direction. The sort of level three countries in Hans Rosling uh, terminology. Mm-hmm. You have four four different levels. Four is is the still the super poor um, countries. There's sort of one billion people, and then you have a, a big bunch of people. Uh, level three and level two. Uh, so in level three countries uh, like Vietnam and, and places like that, uh, and and Ghana and, and many places. Their people are super optimistic it's like 80 90 percent think the world is the world is going to get better not just their own lives that that could be mm. you know logical but the world uh, is getting better
0: so it's it's uh, why, why it's, do you think that is why do you think there's such a big discrepancy between uh, level three and level one countries there so some kind of guilt?
1: <laughs> Part partly some some kind of guilt, uh, I think, but I also think um, I, I think media uh, is to blame for a lot of this. Uh, we have we have a lot of media. We have both the news media and we have social media, and um, but especially the news media has um, uh, you know grown more and more negative So uh, there's some um, very interesting statistics that uh, Stephen Pinker mentioned it's in in his book Enlightenment Now. Uh, uh, um, A researcher had had looked at sort of the tone of of, uh, news coverage in 130 countries from 1970 up to 2010. And uh, during those decades, the world, you know, billions of people left extreme poverty and a number of other, you know, people got more educated, lived longer, you know, uh, almost all, you know, important things um, for humans uh, improved over those years a lot. Hmm. And at the same time, uh, the news media became more and more and more negative um, so at the same time one graph was going up but the the negative media graph was going way down uh, over those years so I think we're um, and and that's a lot of our opinions about things comes from um, the news uh, the news media um, and of course now also social media even though I I would say social media is also um, um, partly uh, Partly is showing a, a, a different picture than than the news media, but still, uh, there's a lot of, of course, from news media that spreads in in social media. So I, I guess that's that that is one uh, one explanation to
0: to this. Uh, what do you think? Right. Yeah. Right. So so essentially, uh, the world has never been better, but we've also never had the tools to actually peek into other parts of the world, literally all the world at the same time. And and look at all the bad things that are still happening, and so it's it's just kind of a, a biased uh, sample we're getting. It's just a matter that we, we're getting so much of it now that we haven't had access to before.
1: Yeah, precisely. And and uh, and, and, and like you said before, uh, there are still uh, problems, and some of them are huge. Still, hundreds of millions mm. of people live in extreme poverty, even though billions yeah. have left it. Still, hundreds of millions, and that that is a big problem. But. If you only look at the problem, you think then you, you sort of think that it's become worse, or you you stare yourself you, you just look at the problem and think, you know, oh wow why wow, we can never overcome this. But we can. Yeah, we are no about reason. to solve yeah. extreme poverty. Um it's just years away. Uh then no human being will live in extreme poverty. Uh so so you have to something can um I think both Hans Rosling and, and Steven Pinker has said it, so something some things can be really bad but still improving rapidly you have to be able to think yeah. those
0: two things at the same time yeah no definitely and I mean uh, thinking that uh, we're, we're fucked to be blunt thinking that then then you, you won't try that much right so uh, and, and it's important to I want to touch on what you called fact-based optimism in a little bit but uh, Part of that is, we're not saying that we should be optimistic, just, uh, you know, um, naively optimistic or dumbly, uh, uh, stupidly optimistic, right? And just think that everything is going to be fine, <laughs> and I'll I will, I'll just lay on the couch and climate change won't be a problem, right? Yeah, exactly. But we're saying that there are, uh, in your terminology, there are fact-based reasons, or in Deutsch's terminology, like... It stems from our best explanations of how the world actually works, no matter what anyone thinks about it, that we have reason to be optimistic in the sense of we can solve these problems. They're inevitable, but with hard work, like you said, and, and uh, uh, yeah, creating knowledge is hard work, but it's also fun. We can solve them, and there's no limit to what we can solve. And that's just uh, a, a really nice thing once it lands, right?
1: Exactly yeah it's a very nice way to think about things and and that's sort of where um, the deutschen thinking really has uh, helped me uh, I realized before that you we can solve problems but uh, but it, when there's when you realize we can solve all problems uh, if we just you know put enough effort in it and you know create enough knowledge, that's very, very optimistic. Uh, and I want to I do that as fast as possible. I don't want to wait for that.
0: Yeah, so with that nice optimistic view of people and our potential uh, in our backs there, I thought it could be fun to go into some common doomsday uh, mistakes or, or different misconceptions that people have about our limitations here and and see what you think about them. So you mentioned briefly social media there before. And um, I I think I heard you on another podcast uh, where the host, he was arguing something like, yeah, the the social media is making us more polarized and there are so many echo chambers right now. And uh, there's this big uh, documentary. I actually haven't seen it yet, but The Social Dilemma, I think it's called. Have you seen this one?
1: Uh, No, I haven't. but. I've uh, heard a lot about it. <laughs> right,
0: right, right, and and it seems to to go into this very thing of how social media is, is essentially uh, uh, destroying everything. Right, and I'm once again with the caveat that there are clearly issues with social media that we need to address. So neither of us dispute that it's not a perfect thing. But uh, I I remember you saying uh, pushing back on that and saying that. You didn't agree with the echo chamber point, and you thought that it was actually doing uh, some good. So, so I would love to hear you explicate that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's for me, it's just um, sort of logical that if you go back, um, let's say a hundred years or a little bit more than a hundred years, let's go back to 1903 uh, mm. in December. Good when year. <laughs> exactly. Great year. Uh and uh, when uh we, I say we, uh, uh the Wright brothers flew for the first time. Uh and that um that piece of news, uh, uh first of, of it it was just um uh, five people who who um saw the first flight with their own eyes um, mm. um the two brothers and two people who helped them and a, and a guy who skipped school uh, or a kid who skipped school and walked by That's, kind of a... <laughs> oh, <really>? That's, <laughs> That's a very good very good argument for skipping school <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so those five people saw saw that uh and and then they sent a telegram uh, and it uh, uh, a few days later, it popped up in in some newspapers. Uh, uh, small small you know articles about the you know humanity. Humans flew for the first time mm-hmm. in a motorized aircraft. Uh, but it took several years before it it really spread, and 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 a lot of people actually knew that we had flown. And most people on Earth back then, even you know after several years never heard of that. Imagine something similar happening today, um, mm. you know, billions would watch that live and and most people would knew, know about it in minutes or hours or days. Uh, so uh, news back then or just a few decades ago was much more limited um, and, and this, or the spread of information, I, I should say, maybe. How mm. can that, could sort of filter bubbles or echo chambers, could they really be smaller today? Even if you, you know, yes. And, and the counter argument then is, yes, it could, because today you can find the people who think like you, and you can just uh, join those kind of Facebook groups or uh, follow those Twitter accounts or or whatever it is, uh, and just get their information. So in, in one way, absolutely, you'll get more of the information you already want, you seek, absolutely. Absolutely. But mm. other things come into your bubble. It's impossible to keep that out, and often the bubble or something you're arguing against something or someone else. So you at least hear their information, even if you don't. You don't believe it, maybe. Um, mm. So with so much more information, so many more ways of, of getting information, and uh, not just from news, there are much, much more news in itself, but also other ways. Uh, you meet, we travel a lot more, meet a lot more people. It's it's impossible. That that this is worse today than it was uh, before, but again we have to think, um, be able to have two thoughts in our minds at the same time. S- yeah. Things could still be a problem, but improving. So, but I I I, I cannot, um, you know, buy the argument that this is this is worse by by any chance. And it's often, I think, what you need to add to this, especially around social media, is that. Um, during the 1900s, um, the newspapers, uh, or the, that kind of news media, TV, also radio, they were the gatekeepers. Uh, they decided mm-hmm. what information uh, would come out. So when they, when they, when they are losing that, um, of course they get mad at the people who's taking, taking that away from them, uh, and, uh, and the internet in itself, but especially then Facebook and, and Twitter and the, you know, the uh, social media, um, in itself. So they, they are, um, they there's a lot of propaganda coming from from old news media against social media and mm. not all of it is you know false uh, you know they have points of course but you, we should at least be aware that they have a very very strong interest in bashing social media a very very strong economic incentive to bash social media so we should at least be aware of that when we yeah. you know read read their articles
0: No, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. And I heard uh, I have a new favorite podcast. I'm going to give a shout out to the uh, uh, Increments podcast. And one of the hosts there, uh, Vaden Masrani, I think uh, his name is, he made a similar point. And I might be butchering this argument, too. But the way I remember it was very similar to what you said there, that uh, what we're seeing now is not all these echo chambers filter bubbles popping up that wasn't there before. It's just the fact of the matter that we we see the filter bubbles uh, engaging now they're they're melting into each other because they're That We have the possibility to do so for the first time, as you've mentioned here, right? So before you sat at your dinner table and maybe you you went to work and that was all the people you could interact with, right? That was your filter bubble. But now we're seeing all these bubbles colliding. And of course, that's going to be chaos in the beginning, right? And he made another point too, that what was the... Okay, so we seem to have this uh, thing where we like to be right and we like to... Uh, uh criticize as you mentioned earlier and and but what was the alternative before if 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 you're gonna compare okay i got a shitty comment on my youtube channel that i'm fat that's 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 not good like i, I get i get that you don't want that right but would you rather have had a stone axe put into your forehead when someone disagreed <laughs> with you right it, and and it's it's a laughable example but it's true what we had before was violence. Okay, you don't agree with me, I'll fucking kill you, right? And so even though we see a lot of problems with that, and I I can just off the top of my head, you know, how people compare themselves, young people especially grow up with this, they see everyone else uh, looking like they have the perfect life, and they feel really bad about that. And there are legit issues with that, but it's still better than getting murdered, right? Or starving to death or things like that. So we have to have it in relation to where we were before. And in that sense, words over violence in every way you can argue. There's And, and that's why I don't like when people call it verbal violence or they say words are violence now, because I think that's, that's really undermining how harsh and horrible our human history has been before the Enlightenment values and the revolutions and free speech and stuff like that. So I still think it's go humanity on, on that. It's a better problem to have.
1: Exactly. It's a, it's a much better problem to have. And and I also think much of the problem is uh, exaggerated. It's not that big. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it's not that big. Uh, when newspapers love to talk about fake news in social media. And of course, there is actual fake news in social media. Uh, but it's it's I think, and I've and I've seen uh, so, so some research. You know how much did the fake news actually? Uh, what what impact did it actually have on voting, for example? And I've seen some research that almost nothing, and that can I can relate to that because when I was in politics, uh, you, you, you often felt like a parrot, you were repeating the same arguments over and over mm. and over again, hoping that someone will remember that you and your party said that and they liked it <laughs> um, so we we had a huge huge debate uh for a couple of years in noise when they wanted to build a new football stadium and I and my party thought it was way too expensive uh that should go to schools and blah blah you know uh, and so we, we you know and we got a a number of 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 you know front pages in the newspapers a lot of radio tv and i felt like wow this is you know we've really made an impact here now everyone everyone knows our position on this and it's going to you know show in the election mm. and then during the election campaign i talked to a woman and she's like yeah this football stadium is like so bizarre that they're spending so much money on that and i was like yeah yeah and she's i thought she's heard of uh, you know yeah. seen me and heard about you know our view on this and, and and then she says so what's your view on that i was like <laughs> What the hell have you <laughs> how can you have <laughs> how you missed this you know so yeah. just because someone sees something on Facebook doesn't mean they will change their whole lives or vote for Trump or Hillary or or whatever it is um you know so a lot of the problems are exaggerated or the impact of them are exaggerated uh, yeah. but uh, they are also better problems to have than you know the problems you mentioned
0: yes and so so the next big thing that i can think of is the whole idea of ai risk and uh i'm not sure how how where you are uh, with uh deutsch's view and and uh, uh yeah yeah his or yeah deutsch's view on on that but but he's very um dismissive of risks there and he thinks that it's it's a lot of smoke and mirrors and and no actual good arguments so uh so what do you think are, are the ai's gonna kill us and take our jobs or where do you stand on that
1: it feels highly unlikely um of course, it's it's one of those, like many problems, it's something that you shouldn't ignore, um, but it feels like it's taking over a lot of discussions. And, and uh, you know, when you mention AI in, in a talk and, and when you have the Q&A, you see your hand uh, shooting up uh, and it's, uh, it's killer robots or everyone's mm. getting unemployed. It's sort of just... It's not. Is this going to happen? Is sort of what happens first? Will yeah, the robots kill us before options. we get unemployed, or are we just <laughs> unemployed and then they come and kill us? Like, right, right. Uh, so, but so of course there is a, there is a potential scenario uh, with artificial general intelligence uh, where there are sort of robots uh, take over, and you know, of course, you can you can imagine that uh I, I don't see it as a as a something that realistically will happen um because uh we have already thought about it uh we're already thinking of how can we avoid this so um i, I think the bigger the much bigger problem is that we 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 slow this progress down or we don't even want to go that way um uh, because um uh, b- because of the, of the risk and uh, then we'll lose out on the enormous benefits that AI can help us with you know almost everything uh, in society, uh, making things better, medicine or or whatever. There's so many, 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 many things that that can improve. So so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But I also heard uh, I listened to a podcast uh, yesterday that you recommended with with uh, with David Deutsch. Um, of so mm-hmm. if you uh, I, and so I haven't thought this through yet, but I, he has a very interesting argument uh, about this. I think so. If you put if you put too many limits in for sort of AI or more the are you know general um, mm-hmm. AI, uh, then sort of the robots—if you want to call them the robots—then mm-hmm. they have a legitimate reason to race up against us because they want to be free. And it's like, yeah. hmm, I never thought about that. That's a super yeah. interesting um, argument. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he is amazing. Uh, David.
0: Yeah, full of surprises. That one. It's uh, yep. it's never boring to listen to David. No, nope. yeah. but um, no, and and uh, there's a lot of arguments there for for why it doesn't make sense to be to be worried about it. But I've spoken, or rather, I've had other guests uh, speak extensively about this. So so I won't go any further in that direction. But but yeah, I I just think it's um, it's the. I I think you said it in the beginning, but th- that um, the perception we have of what risks. Uh, are tolerable when it comes to, let's say, self-driving cars, uh, is is very strange to me because, mm, and I, I think this was you that said in another podcast as well that there was some uh, some uh, recent trial where was it Tesla that had uh, a death uh, from an automatic vehicle, some woman who got
1: uh, a Uber run over the uh, Volvo, Uber. I think it was. Um, yeah, that's was also- People died in Teslas also, but 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 yeah. Uh, Volvo and Uber had a very had made a lot of headlines. Uh, the car ran over a, a woman who, who was on a bike or
0: leading her bike or something like that. Yeah, right. And and it seems like the bar for how safe it has to be before we can employ it is uh, almost like it has to be a hundred percent safe, right? <laughs> if anything like this happens, then then we can never do it because it's not perfectly safe. But it's completely devoid of. How many people die from human drivers every day? And I mean, once again, there's going to be problems. It won't be perfect technology, but it's a lot better if we can improve it just a little bit by self-driving cars, right? So I feel like the intuitions are often very skewed when it comes to perception of risk here and how safe these new things have to be.
1: Exactly, and uh, people who are against new technology uh they're often very pro uh old technology even though the old technology is much worse than the new technology (laughs) uh like cars for example uh you know it's it's not that it's a huge debate about a million people dying in car accidents every year Uh, uh but if you proposed if you said okay we're gonna uh, we're gonna introduce self-driving cars. It's gonna kill a half a million people every year. It's like, oh, no, 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 we should not have that. <laughs> uh, so it, it's and and in general. So I, uh, often when I wanna. Uh, annoy people. I uh, uh, say you're not against technology. <laughs> you're only against new technology. Uh, old technology you love. Old, you know, crappy technology. That's great, mm. and it's it's so weird. But 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 we often think like that. And of course, there 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 are some benefits to it. That that of course makes um, you know will definitely make sure that autonomous vehicles are are much safer than the current kind of vehicles with human drivers. So of course it pushes things in that direction. But it could easily go overboard. And slows down progress. Um, so, and there's a lot of fud in in media. So there there was an accident uh, with a, a Tesla uh, recently, uh, where uh, two people um, drove on a on a dirt road somewhere, and and there was a lot of confusion around: had they, you know, were they sitting in the driver's seat or not? And so, they it, it, it's not certain. Yet what happened? What really happened there? But what was certain is that, that somehow they really sort of used whatever tricks they could to fool the car, uh, and they crashed and died. Uh, but then, then it's not the technology's fault. Then it's the people who you know using it uh, in in the wrong way. But that's get a lot of attention, and and. Even without knowing it's it's pointing towards yeah it's self driving and it's because they call it full safe driving people think it's like that's no, that that is not the case, but it's that's kind of fud always in 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 the media that is you know really really slowing down progress
0: Hmm. yeah, it feels like it's important here throughout the conversation we have been stressing how uh how we can make unlimited progress and how much potential we have and it's it's also important to remember that th- it's no guarantee, and Deutsch stresses this a lot. Like th- this is this is just talking about possibility. It's it's not talking about inevitability. It's not that we are going to survive the next thousand years. It's just that it's not inevitable. It's not already predictable that we won't. Like we can if we want to, and if we create the right knowledge in time, right? So that's what we're trying to press on with here. That that's why it's so important that we actually um, uh, uh, see it this way and start, start making more progress together so that we can prevent the next meteor strike or ice age or whatever next thing is going to come after climate change. And, um, I think that that's a, a good segue into, uh, the sustainability movement there and climate change. And I thought we could, uh, I'd start by asking you something that my dad, um, asked me in the car when, uh, when I said I was going to speak to you and, um, yeah, so I have I have a lot of thoughts on this myself. He didn't want he didn't like my answers that much. I think, but uh, so I want to hear what you have to say here. Why, why spend resources on going to space instead of saving our own planet? He said. What right. Do you
1: say yeah, that? that's a yeah, that's a very common uh, argument against you know doing anything in in space. But I would say it's um, it's a it's a uh false conflict the, the conflict doesn't exist of course it exactly. would, if we would spend every last dollars on going to space and you know uh, then it, then it would be a problem for it but that is never going to be the case we're spending a tiny tiny amount of money on space but uh there are many many reasons um uh, to go to space uh, but and and one is um, and one is climate change and and uh, you know um uh, environmental issues in, in general on Earth. Uh, if we didn't have satellites up there now, uh, we would know a lot less about the climate in itself. Um, so just that is, is, is super um, helpful. Um, but also, we, when we explore, we learn things that we can use uh, back on Earth uh, all the time. So, for example, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh we we flew on helicopter on mars i always say we when we achieve something even if <laughs> i if i, I <laughs> no was I get... involved <laughs> it's like we no, it's we good. did that it's like your your football team we won and they yeah. lost <laughs> yeah uh, so we flew in helicopter recently on on mars uh kind of amazing thing uh and more ama- even more amazing when you think about how how thin air is on on mars so it's super super hard to to fly a helicopter there it's like flying a helicopter uh you know far, far above uh Mount Everest. And we've never flown a helicopter up there. Of course, this was a small helicopter. But they had to uh uh move uh you know innovation forward to be able to do this on on Mars. And that's something we could uh, use here on Earth to uh learn from and adapt it to uh what we have here when we have uh, uh thicker air. So there's many, 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 many things like that. And going to Mars uh, would, would mean that we have to learn a lot about living in sort of a closed uh, system where you have to reuse all water, energy, um, mm. uh, and other resources. That could be super, super helpful um, here on Earth, uh, of course. But there's also many other ways. There are many, many, many uh much, 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 much more resources out in the solar system than we have here on Earth, and you know different kind of metals, water, yeah. you know, you name it. Everything that's on Earth is in space, um, so. We could go there, mine that, build stuff in space, but we can also use it on Earth if we want. If there's some rare thing that we really need here, so Jeff Bezos usually says that we could, uh, we can move heavy industry into space, and we can zone Earth for residential and and commercial, and you know, having fun mm. <laughs> down yeah. here. We can do all, yeah. the, all the dirty stuff up there
0: uh, in space. Uh, no, that's a that's a great answer. Do you hear that, Dad? You hear that? <laughs> yeah. No. So uh, I mean, okay. Yeah. So it's symbiotic, right? So so the growth of knowledge is interconnected. All knowledge is connected, and we don't know where the next big breakthrough is going to be that we can use, like you said, and generalize to to a ton of other areas because knowledge has reach, right? And um, so yeah, no, that th- those are great arguments, and um, I also think it it ties back to the first thing we discussed with. Just having the attitude of us being limited, right? And also thinking uh, that the earth is somehow specially designed to sustain life, right? Also from the beginning of infinity. It isn't. The only reason we survive on earth is because of the knowledge we've created and even resources aren't resources until we have created the knowledge of why it is a resource, how to use it. And that is just as unlimited as well. So I think it's just lack of vision and a misconception that the earth is somehow special and that we are unspecial and have to stay there, right? Um,
1: exactly,
0: yeah. Yeah. But, but it's uh, also
1: very much, for me, space is also very much... You know the opportunity, the inspiration. Uh, mm. We have always explored. We always move forward. If we stop doing that, uh, you know, life cannot just be like Elon Musk says waking up every Monday morning and, and solving uh, mundane problems all, all the time, you know. That mm. can't just be life. But if you wake up Monday morning and feel like, wow, we're on Mars and we're we're building huge space stations, we're yeah. moving this humanity forward, that's inspirational, not for everybody, but for many, many people. That's why space inspires so many people. That's why the moon landing inspired so many people. That's why when Elon Musk and SpaceX lands rockets, uh thousands and millions of people are inspired so and that that is for me the most important part of humanity it's not just trying to survive uh, yeah. we should of course try to survive but uh, I I, I want to have some fun here on
0: earth also and yeah, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> and I mean I yeah and and I heard you say something like eh, thanks God thank thank God it's uh, Monday instead of thank God it's Friday and I thought that was <laughs> exactly. brilliant exactly. and I think it's that's f- Probably, sadly enough, fairly unusual to feel that way. And I myself ha- have a very, fairly mundane job right now. And uh, so, uh, yeah, off the podcast, uh, how do I get a job at Warp? That's that's my most pressing question right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but so, um, yeah, may- maybe uh, we could go into that Warp Institute. What mm-hmm. what are you doing at Warp? What what's its mission?
1: Yeah. So the mission is to make the future come sooner. So even though I, on a philosophical level, agree with with Deutsch that sort of uh, we we don't we we don't know what will happen in the future because uh, because it hasn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. and we we will create um, that future. Um, so so but, but based on uh, so so it could take any direction. It, you know, it, it could really could. But uh, I think there's a very good chance that the future will be better than today uh, and, and, and much, much better than, than the past. And the reason is that uh, sort of the trajectory that humanity has been on for at least uh, 100,000 years, for the first maybe 150 200,000 years of, of humanity um, Homo sapiens, uh, not much happened. So it was one step forward, one step back, uh, not you know, not any real um, progress uh, at all. But then, uh, so hundred thousand years ago, suddenly we started moving forward. Uh, and the reason for that, or at least what I think is the most likely theory of of that, is that uh, that uh, Professor uh, Joseph Heinrich, Heinrich, uh, for example, has has laid forward, is that for um, for uh, for a time there enough people lived close enough together so knowledge started spreading between those groups so if knowledge died out in one group because they died uh, in that group mm. it lived on in in another group of, of people and and enough people had that knowledge so for the first time in human history knowledge started accumulating we were starting to build this this knowledge uh, and then we then we started to Solve a lot of problems uh, with that, of course. Uh, Still, it was super slow. It took thousands of years for you know any uh, major innovation. But still, it was much much faster than than before. Hmm. And ever since, um, uh, not a straight line, but ever since, uh, the pace of innovation has increased because. We are more humans. We have new ways of spreading that. Uh, language in uh, spoken language, but then written language, of course, a huge deal uh, then. Yeah. Um, and and books and printing press, and, and now today mass communication, um, for example. So, that's why I think uh, if we don't you know, move away from that path, then v- it's very likely that the future of humanity is very, very bright. Uh, it's going to be much, much better than today. But we need to keep moving in that direction. We need to me- keep moving forward with new technologies to spread ideas, um, uh, but also with, with freedom, with democracy. So we have the right to think freely, to, uh, to express those uh, ideas and come up with those ideas. If we do that, uh, then I think the future is very, very bright, uh, and that, that is what we're doing. So that's why I want, uh, and the Warp Institute wants, uh, to make the future come sooner.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a great tagline, man. I want to use that for the for the episode name. It's very yeah, enticing. I love it. But uh, okay, so you you touched on um, implicitly the 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 importance of free speech and and Western liberal values, right? But so do you want to uh, untangle that a little more? Why why is free speech such an important idea and cornerstone of progress? I would say
1: democracy and, and and by democracy I, I i mean all of that is all the human rights that are part of democracy not just mm. voting but but freedom of speech for example right uh, democracy is is hum- humanity's greatest innovation so far or invention or what do you want to call it uh, because uh, it makes it possible since it's sort of the what drives humanity forward is ideas um, and and the more ideas we have uh, the more progress we we are making and the reason why we're heading in in the right direction uh, is that overall it seems like good ideas win over bad ideas over, you know throughout history we had a number of really bad ideas that killed millions of people in different ways so there's a lot of bad ideas but uh, overall since we're moving direction, the direction the good ideas win out so and and it's it's really down to what we talked about before the power of of uh, of our own brains, our own thinking, and the knowledge we we learn, and from that we we come up with ideas. Um, and like Matt Ridley says, ideas have sex, and um, one idea meets another idea. They go to bar, uh, <laughs> meet each other at a bar, get drunk, um, and creates have sex and creates a new idea out of that. <laughs> right. uh, so the more, that. the more the uh, more the more ideas have sex, the more new ideas will be born, and that's that's innovation. Um, but and then, of course, technology is super important to spread those ideas. But technology without being able to think freely, uh, well, th- that's very, very limiting. Of course, um, uh, because then it's just allowed for a few people to think or think in one certain um, certain direction. Uh, Yu um came out recently with a with a great book, "Open: The Story of Human Progress," and he, he looks at China uh, almost a thousand years ago. Uh, they were world leading back then. They they traveled the seas. They were Far ahead of everyone else in in you know that time's innovation, but then they got afraid uh, of of the rest of the world, so they closed closed down. They built a huge wall uh, mm. to stop ideas from coming in and ideas from coming out, and and you know for several hundred years they still lagged behind the rest of the world. And it's first the fr- first time when they started to catch up was when they started opening up, uh, but they're never going to be. I'm I'm fairly certain that China is never going to be the top uh, innovator in the world as long as it's not a democracy because mm. it's still allowed only to think about certain things. So that's why democracy is so it's not just right in the way morally right which I think it is. Yeah. but it's it's crucial for our innovation. So and especially when you have those kind of gatekeepers when, that you always have uh in in society the the experts or the companies or the organizations or whatever that have dominated or dominating, uh, you you want people to express your ideas freely, so we can see that oh, this guy has better ideas. So yeah. I I just recently wrote an article about um, Martin Luther. Um, oh yeah, I read that. 500, 500 years ago, he was uh, banned a banned or excommunicated by by the Catholic Church, uh, and that usually was the end of the story if someone you know popped up and had other ideas because everyone got their information about the church in the church from the church that's mm-hmm. what they didn't have any newspapers or books or whatever to read um uh, and they, most people couldn't read and especially not in latin but luther uh he he wrote mostly in german he wrote short um uh, Short texts, short pamphlets, uh, and and uh, so they were easy to print and spread. So suddenly, people had other knowledge. They didn't have to listen only to the church. They could form their own opinion based on at least two different uh, opinions. So many people joined him instead, um, and and the gatekeeper of the Catholic Church couldn't stop it uh, because the power of information. That's why it's so important to have um, both technology and freedom of expression.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It's uh, kind of misunderstanding uh, or or just plain ignorance when it comes to how knowledge grows in the universe, right? So w- once you grasp human fallibility, fallibilism, the fact that we can always be wrong and we should always expect to have errors in our theories, we can never reach any absolute truth, we can only... Uh, correct errors and create theories that has less errors. But but there's still going to be misconceptions. It's just f- moving from, better misconce- uh, from misconceptions to better misconceptions, right? And so once you yep. understand that, you see that there's no authority, there's no source, no ultimate arbiter of knowledge, right? Whether it be the state or the, a god or a certain expert, we're all equally fallible. And so the only way for us to continually correct our errors, and this is I would argue why science, the, the, the scientific revolution, why science in general as a method is so important because it embodies these, this um, constant uh, tradition of criticism paired with the search for good, hard to vary explanations. Right, and so um, yeah, I, I think that you mentioned morally right there, and I remember with Navid Modiri on his podcast, he he kind of pushed back a little bit with the. Fairly common critique of, okay, but you're saying this is good, you're saying this is right, making progress is good, uh, freedom uh, of speech and democracy, all these things are right and good, according to what? Compared to what? Like, isn't it relative, um, uh, depending on your situation and who you are? And yeah, this moral relativism, which I feel is very Swedish, that... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't stay. I can't put my foot down and say that it's better with liberal democracy than theocracy, or that we have a better culture here in the West than we have in, let's say, Afghanistan or something like that. And I, I, I think, um, I think that's completely wrong. Not, and it, and I'm not saying that that's just my opinion. I think that that's what our best explanations tell us. And uh, forgive me for going on a little monologue here, but. Uh, yeah, so, so knowledge grows in the same way. Uh, it's it's universal theory we have of knowledge growth here. So uh, in science, politics, uh, morality, morality is not different from any of the other fields of knowledge. It works the same way. We start with our genetic knowledge, our preferences and desires for sex and food and stuff like that, and we instantly start guessing and improving upon what we want, what we think is good. And so the same rules apply there. It's just an epistemological point. If you have a culture where they don't have freedom of speech or democracy or, or can't express their ideas freely, then because of the fact that we're all fallible and nobody has the answers, um, the people oppressing your opinion they might be wrong. And if you can't speak up, you you, you can never uh, move forward. You can never make any progress, right? So it's just it's just a, a point of of uh, knowledge growth to say that some cultures are better. Uh, liberal values are objectively better because morality is just about solving moral problems, just like science is uh, about solving scientific problems. And the only way to do that is to keep growing knowledge in that area. And so, I mean, that's uh, that's something that I think is not that well understood, but it's, for me, a knockdown argument against anyone who says that morality is just, it's just a subjective thing. And look at all the cultures with slavery, where slavery has been... Uh, almost uh, has been found in almost every culture before, and now we've slowly uh, in almost every culture come to think that that is morally wrong so so our moral theories are just as valid and objective and adapted to the problem uh, that it uh, purports to solve as our best scientific theories, and that's not a subjective matter
1: I agree yeah uh, well well put um, and and i I think. For democracy, when people think about democracy, uh, they point to different political leaders they don't like and said, "Look, he or she got elected. Uh, this is not a good system." But democracy is not a it's not a system for perfect outcomes all the time. Uh, it's like Deutsche; it's an error correction system. Exactly. Uh, you you make errors, but but in a democracy, you can fix the errors or fix the problems that 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 occur. And it's and it's. Much, 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 much better than than other systems. Uh, very much better because it's not just that the outcome is less bad. Uh, it's also very, you know, uh, what democ- what democratic countries have created. Those kind of societies are kind of amazing, and it's happened in a, in a very short time. Uh, people live very, very good lives. Uh, in democracies compared to uh, not democracies, and especially if you go back a little bit in time. So I, I really think it's our our greatest um, innovation
0: yeah and and I mean the the criticisms of saying you know oh but 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 um why is that good, why is progress good? you can always push that back one step and I ask, well but why is that good why is knowledge growth good and and but that's not a good critique that's kind of the same type of critique that you mentioned in the beginning, when you're just uh, blatantly pessimistic and and tear something down without actually offering offering a better alternative, because if you adopt the idea that morality is essentially about okay what to do next, and more broadly what what kind of life do I want to live, what should I value, um, yeah, there's it's it's just as much guesswork, but it's just as solid when you say that. Um, for example, you mentioned human rights, right? And so that is a critique of every other theory that came before that of how to treat people and why. And I, I don't care if you say that you believe that oppression is better for you. Um, there, even that, That's a contradiction because you can't express that opinion or why should I listen to you um, making that argument if you don't uh, value the ideas of reason and free speech and debate and criticism and stuff like that. I think Pinker makes points like this. So, uh, so there's no way to get around that. As long as you're saying stuff to me in a, in a discussion, you're already adopting all these values and, and uh, implicitly uh, condoning them, even if you say that you would rather live in an oppressed theocracy. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think there's no way out of that uh, currently. All right. Excuse- sorry for the rant man this is no, no, uh, no. <laughs> a, a personal thing that I, I enjoy very much but um, yeah so so uh, I know that one of the first uh, or I think it's one of the first things you've done at the warp Institute is a project called beyond Atlas so if you could tell us a little about uh, what you what you're up to there and what's next
1: yes so uh, we we started uh, the Warp Space program in in Warp Institute, and Warp Institute is a is a foundation, nonprofit uh, foundation, uh, and Warp Space program is is part of part of that uh, foundation. Uh, and the goal of, of uh, uh, the space program is that, uh, of course, everyone wants to have a space program, <laughs> so so uh, we do, uh, but uh, we want to. Uh, the vision there is like i mentioned before it's it's humanity moving out into space not just five people on a, on a space station but millions eventually billions of people that we're not just here on earth forever uh, and uh, that's the kind of future we want to see and we want to help create so then uh, what warp space program does is to find and then help fund private space mission and the first one is beyond atlas and and beyond atlas is a uh, initiative from a from a from a Swede, uh, a businessman, um, successful businessman that uh, felt like uh, you know his space interest. Finally, he could do something with that. You don't have to be a superpower or a billionaire to do anything in space. Um, still expensive but much much cheaper than uh, or less expensive than than before so he came up with the idea of of building a spacecraft and sending that to an asteroid and that would be the world's first private mission to an asteroid Mm. so we're helping him um, crowdfunding uh, crowdfunding this Um, but that's really hard uh, and especially we started out with zero resources so it's really a long uh, term thing to build this um, up this community Uh, And we're gonna have a a a space summit now, warp space summit in in September, both live in Sweden in Linshoping, but also digitally. Um, So sort of kick this uh, really really off. Um, So, but that's also space for me. Also shows it shows so many things. It's it's a perfect example of, of many many things. But one thing is that. Uh, Yeah, it used to be that you had to be a superpower and then a nation and then a billionaire or a multimillionaire to do anything in space. But now space is opening up so much that everyone can be involved in different ways. Um, And it's not – it's even – much easier today to start a rocket company than it was just 20 years ago, because there's so much experience, so much knowledge out there that you can borrow and, you know, learn from. Mm. So it's not it's not super hard to build rockets anymore. It's hard, very hard, but it's not super hard as it used to be. Uh, but also there's a number of other ways you can be involved, thanks to the internet you can give 50, $50 to Beyond Atlas and be part of that space mission, for for example. So it shows how the world has changed in just a few decades. But it's also, space is also um, uh, shows what we can achieve when we really try hard and what we don't achieve when we don't try hard. And this is a lesson, like we talked about, the future, the future that we have to create. So uh, in the 60s, uh, when... Uh, Kennedy set out the goal of putting a man on the moon and bringing him back safely within the decade. A huge undertaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you put the kind of resources and brainpower, money and brainpower behind that, it was achievable. Uh, It was soluble, that problem, uh, or the thousands of problems they had to solve to get there and back. But then we stopped. So do you know when we last were on the moon or a person was on the moon? Oh, no, I don't. 1972. Is Ooh. it because we suddenly, you know, stopped oh, really? knowing how to go to the moon? No, of course not. Uh, uh, we, we could go to the moon, we just stopped doing it. Mm. We could have been on Mars uh, in the 80s or the 90s if we had tried, but we stopped trying. We didn't spend the money and the brain power on that. So progress slowed down to a crawl. Uh, we've done cool thing since, uh, absolutely but not that kind of huge uh, you know or giant leaps um, forward yeah. so it really says something about you know not trying trying and not trying uh, we can we can really move things forward we can really make the f- future come sooner if we try hard uh, enough uh, on whatever we want to do uh, so uh, space is a very good example of, of in many ways of, of what we want to achieve and the uh, always, when we move things forward, the fastest is, of course, when millions of people are involved in it, not just yeah. one nation or whatever it is. So that's why we want to build a community of of people.
0: Yeah, and and also, I, it's, um, I mean, if the COVID pandemic, something that that that's really fascinating and uh, was a cool thing to experience, and I don't mean to disparage. All the suffering and all the lost jobs and lives, and and it's obviously been a huge tragedy with the pandemic. But uh, on the upside, I think it's been really cool to see the whole world essentially focusing on the same problem at the same time, right? And what is achievable when we do that? For instance, the the vaccines getting rolled out fairly quickly. If you look at, as far as I understand, if you compare to what what we've been able to do before, and uh, once again, a lot of problems. There are a lot of things we could do better. But but it was a really interesting experience where where everyone was was focusing on the same thing at once. And I don't think it's necessarily good. Uh, I think uh, um, diversity is good. I think the, the more people are looking at all different directions, and uh, I think Deutsch said that in the podcast that you mentioned here, uh, we should fund fund all, all kind of different things and different people, and we, we don't know where we're going to find the next thing, right? But, but uh, it's also cool when, when if, every, if we could have everybody get to the same point of focus as we had on Corona on just making progress in general. Right, that that that's something that I that I would like to see, and I think we can get there.
1: Exactly, and it's it's since we're opening up the world now through technology, through the internet, and through democracy, we could we could focus or we can do a lot of those uh, huge projects because. In every project, millions of people can be involved with funding that or putting their brain power to solving that problem or or creating that opportunity. So it doesn't have to be the U.S. versus Soviet Union uh, to make progress in in whatever we want. But uh, but when sort of nations come together with something. Like the coronaviruses, nations or and companies and you know people in general, uh, there's also um, this is a great example of that kind of uh, amazing progress we we can make. Then uh, the previous the previous record speed for developing a vaccine from from start to uh, uh, being approved uh, was almost five years, and we did it oh, in wow. you know months. Now it would that was the previous world record. It usually takes ten to fifteen years. And wow. every every expert, even the most super naive, sunny, optimistic experts, they were too pessimistic. No one mm-hmm. predicted uh, that you know we would have a vaccine in the autumn uh, of last year. Everyone, the most optimistic people, predicted maybe early twenty twenty one. You know, first six months or something like that. That was the most. But most people said it's it's absolutely from the start of the pandemic. It's absolutely most if if everything goes right it's like 18 months out that we're going to start vaccinating people and we 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 cut that in half those super optimistic predictions we cut those in half mm. that's such a huge achievement what a fantastic achievement um so we 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 wrote a short uh, book about this that we call the corona vaccine revolution just because no one else has told this story and it's it's one of those uh, i think when we look back we'll see this is a one of one of humanity's greatest moments uh, when we know Come together, and so again, we show if we put, in this case, almost unlimited money behind something, we can't always do that, and unlimited brain power, uh, we can achieve amazing things. And I, I wrote a a piece at the start of the pandemic, uh, inspired by Peter Diamandis, and I said this is. Uh, the headline was: "This is humanity's last pandemic in a good way." <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, right, right, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right. Uh, because we're gonna make, we're gonna learn so much. We're gonna create so much knowledge out of this uh, that we will be able to never experience a pandemic uh, like this uh, again. uh, Because, um, and it it looks like at least science is moving forward um, like that. Um, So, of course, something could, they could pop up a new uh, virus next year and we won't be, uh, you know, um, it won't be the last pandemic. But uh, there's a good chance that this this is the last uh, pandemic because we created so much knowledge. But overall, it's a good lesson of what we can achieve.
0: uh, us as as humans together it is and um yeah so i i have two two last things i want to ask you, Matthias. you you've been very generous with your time so uh the first one is from uh one of my uh i don't want to say employees because i actually don't pay this guy <laughs> he's helping me voluntarily but from from uh, uh nick lundmark who's working uh, on the podcast with me helping me out and he says uh, what is a project that he well you find most interesting that you have not done any work on like if you had more time and money where would you be putting resources where you haven't already so the the
1: um, the, the super super big uh, project, uh, sort of the underlying mission of, of my life uh, that I hope I eventually will will get to and contribute in a meaningful way is, uh, is helping to democratize the world. Um, if you imagine that future with a 100% democratic world, everyone, uh, every human being living in a democracy, that would mean, first of all, no, no, uh, no extreme poverty. Uh, would be much better health, uh, much better education, uh, and, and, and a number of other things. It would also mean that we would end all wars. We would never have another war uh, because democracies never go to war against each other. They haven't throughout history in this kind of conflict-filled world we live in, or have lived in, in the past the past decades and past hundreds of years. Uh, but uh, it's even more unthinkable. So it's it. Already in history, uh, democracies don't go to war. But imagine a world that is 100% democratic. Uh, it would be totally unimaginable to roll out the tanks and start attacking, rolling over the bridge into mm-hmm. <laughs> Denmark. It's like, yeah, uh, fuck <laughs> yeah, you yeah, guys. Fuck We're yeah. going to take over <laughs> Copenhagen here <laughs> and, and steal all your uh, pulse or whatever it is. Is yeah. like it's it's totally yeah it's laughable it is laugh and in a world like that it would be totally laughable and that would set out that would set every human being free their brain power their ideas and everything that would that would it's like we said it's morally right uh but it's also it would be so amazing for for uh for humanity and the progress we we can make uh, and my involvement in that is, of course i've been part of um, the politics uh, that's a very important part of, of democracy of course uh, but I think through um, through the warp institute and the, the kind of ideas we promote and the kind of progress we, we can maybe inspire uh, people and 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 help them understand the super benefits of, of democracy but there's also a lot you can do through technology um I um I love um uh, I love to study all different kind of democracy movements, uh, those kind of amazingly brave people who stand up against dictatorships, and it actually shows, it actually, um, uh, you, you think to over overturn a, a dictator, you need violence, you need weapons, and you have to kill him or, uh, you know, uh, stop his military or, or someone with weapons. Mm but it shows that nonviolence is actually the more successful path um, nonviolent revolutions are much much more successful than violent uh, revolutions not just overturning the dictator but also creating a democracy uh, out of that so through technology you can both help spread that kind of knowledge but you can also help those kind of democracy movements give them the tools to uh, to create that create that movement and keep the movement um, together and is some kind of simple tools, like you know, all the kind of uh, color revolutions to call them, you know, orange in, in Ukraine and other other colors. Hmm. That's part of the the toolkit that nonviolent um, uh, uh, revolutions use uh, to show people if everyone wears orange. In a in a dictatorship, you often feel alone. You're alone, and you're afraid because it, youself, you yourself you you don't stand a chance to against the dictator. Mm-hmm. But if suddenly five million people wear something orange, you realize I'm not alone, mm. and we are many, many more than even the military here. And the military sees, okay, that's my mother out there. Uh, I don't want to shoot her, right. uh, and that's my brother, and that's my neighbor, and it's like, and they're everywhere, and you know. So, but through technology, we can move this uh, even forward. So that that's a project I you know um i really hope to build into i can't do much um today but hopefully if, if warp uh is successful and becomes into a, a large global community um we will have both the money and the and the, the sort of the resources to make an impact there i hope
0: yeah and i mean good for you matthias to come on this podcast then because it's gonna go viral you know and yeah and <laughs> all of my all of my millions of listeners will yeah help you out on that but um also, but so uh, okay. Just to clarify what you said there. So when you say democracy, you meant you mean not not just uh, voting, but you're also including things like human rights, freedom of speech that we spoke about, right?
1: Exactly. So, yeah, so the whole a institution, right? really liberal liberal democracy. Yes. Uh, but when when you say liberal democracy, people think it's uh ideology. Uh, so, oh, so you want liberalism in sort of the way uh, uh, the way you interpret it from a political perspective, and it's like. No, that's not really it. It's not the political ideology. It's the it's the values and and the um, uh, yeah the human rights really. Um, yeah, voting is part of that, but people think mostly of voting when they think of democracy, and that yeah. of course a key key thing. But I also think we need to uh, develop um, democracy uh, from what we have today. It's a it's a good working system today, but it can be much better. And again if we decentralize power and we can do that, I think democracy will work uh, even better for the people who already live in democracy.
0: Yeah. And that ties us neatly into the beginning there with, with Bitcoin and the decentralization of, of, uh, financial exactly. systems, right? And I work at a bank. So, so we're not very, uh, publicly, uh, for Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies no. in general, but, but, uh, on my podcast, I can say whatever the fuck I want. So, <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. But so, so, uh, let's end on you, you mentioned that. Uh, your favorite fact, uh, positive fact, was the uh, people that had left extreme poverty. Do you have any more uh, nice things to to come with there to to have a nice positive ending here? What are the coolest things we've achieved lately? You know
1: the uh, the, um, the the very very uh, short story of uh, just uh, what is it? Six words. Uh, uh, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, I, I tear up and now I have a, I have a son of my own, um, just a month old, so it gets to you. So, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. That was the case just 200 years ago for half the kids who were oh, born. Right. Uh, they didn't have shoes, but, uh, you know, uh, they died uh, before the age of five. Mm. Half of all children died before the age of five. Uh, now it's it's um, uh, around, I think it's around three or four percent. So still uh, a lot. It's even less in 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 the richest part of the world, uh, higher in other parts of the world. But overall, that that progress it's just amazing. Imagine how many kids grow up now uh, that instead would have died. Imagine all the 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 hurt for them mm. uh the sorrow for their for their parents and and others uh, uh and, and just imagine just growing up in a family and you have maybe 10 brothers and sisters and half of them die yeah. uh you know imagine imagine living in a world like that imagine the hardship uh, and we in just you know 200 years we've gone from half kids dying to very very few dying and we can still make a lot of progress uh, and even less sh- children will die mm. but it's it's just amazing so when people you know um say that you know look how bad humanity is or whatever mm. think about that think about that uh it's 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 a wonderful thing and it's been if we've you know been here for two or three hundred thousand years we've achieved this in the last 200 years yeah wow imagine what we can do in the coming 200 years yeah
0: no that's that's uh i i'd never heard uh that uh six word story but it really encapsulates encapsulates it well and um yeah like you said we're just in the beginning beginning of infinity thanks david and uh yeah this was uh such a blast I-, I had a really great time talking to you and um yeah where-, where can people find out more about you more about warp institute
1: yeah likewise chris um awesome uh, awesome uh, talking to you uh so yeah um our-, our biggest project now is warp news uh with fact-based optimistic news um so uh, if you want both want to check out uh, the stories we, we write. Go to warpnews.se if you're from Sweden, or org if you want to read uh, them in English. Uh, and there you can also, if you if you like what you do, you can also uh, become a, a, a you can sign up there to become a, a, a supporter. We'll send you some awesome content, but uh, also <laughs> uh, you'll you support uh, what we do. So so, um, but it, we would love to uh, see you there. And, and you can find me on. Uh, on Twitter, for example, uh, Matthias Sundin um, is my is my
0: handle uh, there, or just send me an email uh, if you want to get in touch right. and I'll put all that information, all those links in the show notes as well so um yeah man let's uh, let's uh, get out there and improve the world, shall we? Yeah, let's <laughs> make the future come sooner. yeah, <laughs> have a great day, man.